I think when you step into that purpose and values part of your brand and you start creating messaging around it, things like social media or blogs or PR, any sort of communication platform become more than just people reading it and liking it. It becomes about the impact that you're creating by putting that piece of content out there. and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Homework Law, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. On today's episode of Smart Online Marketing, I'm so thrilled to be talking to my friend and my amazing brand facilitator, Serena O'Brien. So Serena is a purposeful brand facilitator and she owns Speak Out Studio, which is a branding agency, I guess, if that's a way to say what she does, but it's so much more than that. She really encourages women to create values and purpose-driven brands and do think outside the box and step outside comfort zones. And I met Serena kind of on a whim. I joined her coaching group coaching program, which is called Brand Plan, which is about to kick off for another round. So I think it doors close in a couple of days. So if you are listening to this, when this episode gets released, I would highly recommend you go and check out Serena on Instagram at Speak Out Studio and slip into her DMs if you're interested in joining her group coaching program. It has been a game changer for me. I've been wanting to refine my brand strategy and develop a brand strategy really. And on a whim, I enrolled in her group coaching program. I'd never met Serena. I'd never really had any attraction with her and it's exceeded my expectations. So Serena has been such a great mentor and coach for me with my brand and it's kind of given me clarity across all areas of my business, my content, my social media. I really only had the confidence to step into my social media presence after working with Serena. So it's a 15-week group coaching program. I actually (laughs) begged her to let me join the next round. However, she said I probably didn't need to pay her to do two rounds of the program. I just actually just wanted to spend more time with her, to be honest. She's such an amazing businesswoman and she has such strong opinions on branding and women working for free and also she challenges the common ways to develop brands. So she doesn't stand by the ideal customer avatar And she also rethinks a lot of the common branding philosophies, which has been so refreshing. So if you're interested, make sure you do connect with Serena. And I'm so excited. Let's jump into our chat now. Welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So exciting. We've been trying to organize it for a while and we've kind of been going back and forth, finally gotten around to it. Cropping up and COVID hit and isolation and we've just gone through so much this year that we kept putting it off, didn't we? Yeah. And I've talked about it a bit in the intro, but we met because I'm one of your brand plan students, which we'll touch on a bit more down the track, but I kind of, I didn't even know who you were before that. I just joined on a whim and have had best time ever. (laughs) But before we sort of get into what you offer and your business, can you tell me a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. 
love Serena. <laughs> I run a Serena studio. And I like to call myself a purposeful brand facilitator. I don't really necessarily like brand strategists because the way I run my brands is that I tend to facilitate them rather than create them for you and hand them over. And there's a reason why I do that, which we can probably get into a bit later. But I run my business. I'm a mum of three and I know. I don't really know how to explain myself. I love coffee. I love wine, <laughs> too much wine, particularly at the moment, we're locked in the house. Yeah, I just I love people. I love getting to know people. I love helping them make a difference in the world. So when you say you run Speak Out Studio, how did you get to doing that? Because you kind of don't fall into just that's the first thing you're usually doing is running your own business. Like how did you get to running your own business? Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it's a fairly familiar story for many. I was in corporate I was working really long hours and then I had a baby (laughs) and I realised I really didn't want to go back. I remember having that conversation with my boss about a month before I was due to go back and he just said to me point blank, do you really want to come back? And I Mm. said no. And I decided then and there without even talking to my husband (laughs) that I wasn't going back and then I got off the phone to my boss and went, jeez, I've got to call my husband and tell him that I don't have a job anymore. It's fine. It was all fine. Um, and I'd kind of been playing with the idea for a few years, actually, of starting my own business. And I just never did. And I suppose this gave me the kick that I needed. I just had to start something up. And I started really slowly and kind of used my branding and marketing more in terms of social media at the time, because it was about five years ago. And social media for business was really just kicking in and so I really started doing that more but my social media strategies were brand strategies always they're always a little bit extra (laughs) 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 very extra you know how much how extra they are um (laughs) yes and then I just I don't know I just I was doing social media management as well and I just was really draining it was so draining and I just feel like it was time for me to teach people how to stand in their own power and do their own brand strategies and I felt like there's a period of time where you need to do that yourself. So I stepped away from social media and I'm just running with the strategies that I do now but facilitate them because, yeah, as as we'll probably get into, it's a bit more than just a brand strategy when we work with me. Yeah, and I like I said, I, I didn't really know Serena before we started working together or before I joined the brand plan, which is a group coaching program where you – you know, you'll go into more later, but you, it was born out of the isolation and you weren't able to run your in-person workshops and so created an online program. But I'd only been on social media now for maybe two or three months. So I really hadn't actually kind of been aware of the small business community in Melbourne as much, which now we know a lot of the same people from working in the brand plan and, and whatnot, but I didn't know you beforehand. And so when I did like a deep dive stalk on your Instagram feed, I realized that you did do social media management and you were more of like a social media. Is that what you were known for previous to doing the brand strategy? Yeah. Well, I always did brand strategy as part of, so I, when I would manage people's social media, I would do a full strategy with them prior that was always just part of what I did and then I would go on and manage their social media and I had some people working with me at a period in time and then I had my third baby last year and I realized you know it's just it wasn't the time for me to build a business where I had multiple people working for me and creating content and managing everyone else's social media and that what do I actually really love to do and it was really helping people 
you know, make a difference, helping people step into their purpose and feel really clear and confident about their brands. And with me doing that for them on their social media, it was not really staying true to that purpose. So Mm. I thought with just having my third baby, I really wanted to scale my business down and just focus on that one aspect that I really genuinely loved and believe makes a massive difference for people. So I just uh, went with brand strategy this year and got rid of social media and can I say it's such a relief, like it's such a relief to let it go, to let something go that you actually don't really love. Like I didn't, I didn't just did not love the social media management side of things. Yeah, well, it's so interesting, like because I didn't know you when you had that side of your business, I can't even really imagine you like being a social media manager. To me, that's just not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just not who I see, where I see your kind of strength. So for me, it was really interesting going back in your feed and seeing that that was at a time, one of the main aspects of your business. But having said that, the social media and the content aspect is such a huge part of what you do now, but I guess you look at it from like a broader umbrella version rather than, which is, I guess, probably what you were doing before, but you've just repackaged it and renamed it, I guess. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. And look, I was always running um, in-person workshops, which were like brand strategy workshops. So I was doing that. I was just doing the social media management as part of my business. And, you know, it's that, it's a bit of that fear where you have a part of your business that actually uh, it's financially supports your business mm. and the fear of kind of getting rid of that and actually standing in what you really want to do is um, holds you back. And last year I finally did that and yeah, it's pretty incredible. But then of course I'd organized to just run in-person workshops and programs this year, <laughs> which um, when I came back from maternity leave in March was obviously not going to happen. So we had to bring it online and created this brand plan. And I honestly think it's just, it's almost the best platform and medium and way to run a brand strategy. Like it works so much better than a one-day workshop or even a one-day one-on-one session. Yeah, like I can't imagine doing all this work in one day, the work that we've been doing over. I do the one-day sessions. We don't do all this work. Yeah, okay. Portions of it, but by doing it over 15 weeks allows us to do so much more. So before we get into the brand plan and that product you've created as a result of the kind of COVID situation, can we talk about what do you think confuses people so much about branding in general? Because as I was saying to you, like branding to me is very confusing it's like an abstract concept and it can be very like it's not a set thing so that doesn't work with my brain as much so what is branding at the core of it or can you explain why people need to work on their branding yeah well I think branding is confusing because everybody perhaps describes it differently or brand strategists work differently there's also graphic designers that say that They do branding, which leaves a lot of people think that branding is just the visual aspect of your brand, Mm. which it's actually so much more. That's just a really small portion of it. I mean, that was one of our 15 weeks (laughs) was our visual brand in the program. So it's a combination of things. And I find it really hard to define into like one nice, neat little sentence. You know, it's it's about you. It's about how you feel about your brand. It's about your purpose, your values, communicating that, developing really strong messages. It's about the way people perceive you and your brand, their experience with you at every single touch point. It's your visual matching up with all of that. It's really everything that encompasses you and your business and your messaging all working together to create 
one feeling and one sense of what you are and what you stand for. But in saying that, you know, I did an Instagram live last night with Dusk from the Listing Squad and she really brought it home to me that I realised that, you know, I said before that every brand strategist does something different or does conducts their brand strategies in a different way. And I really liked the way she said that the brand strategies with me are a combination of brand strategy, so a traditional sort of brand strategy where we're talking about purpose, values, mission, vision, brand promise, all of those sorts of things, our ideal clients. But we're also working on the psychology side of things. So we're not just developing a brand, we're learning how to actually own it. And there's a massive difference between just developing a brand, you know, the way people feel when they read your social media posts, when they talk to you, when they read a piece of content, when they, you know, see you on Instagram stories, compared to developing a brand and really owning it. Because it actually filters out into every single decision that you make. Like we've spoken about collaborations, being able to say yes or no, the types of clients that we take on. It filters out when you've done a really developed and deep brand strategy and you've learned to own your purpose and your values and step into that really confidently, then it filters into just about every aspect of your business. So it can be a really integral part of running a business. You can have a business without a brand, but you can't have a brand without a business. So um, they're kind of two complementary parts that work together. Yeah. And I think that that was probably the thing that I've gotten most out of working on my branding is that it's given me so much clarity on moving forward. And even just touching on what we were talking before about how you let go of the social media aspect of your business and that really niching down to just focusing on the branding, people can actually find that process quite scary because they think that when they only offer, when they only specialize in one thing, that they're going to lose clients or when they become so hyper-focused or when they become really have a really clear vision and they know who they want to work with and who they don't want to work with. They worry that they'll cut out other people and that they will lose business overall. But what I find is that you actually grow as a business because you're more aligned and you attract like-minded people to you that think, I definitely want to work with you over someone else, or I definitely want to buy from this brand over this brand because they've got such a strong purpose messaging and that sort of stuff. And I kind of get it the same way where people will ask me whether, you know, do you offer different services? Do you do SEO? Do you do branding? Do you do web design? And people find it quite strange that I'm like, I only focus on the Google ad side of things. Like that's my specialty and that I'm not interested in branching out to do anything else. And that can be quite confronting to people because they think, but how do you grow? Like surely you find it hard to get, but once you define that, you actually grow faster. Yes. I think that was a long rambly way of me saying that, yeah. you know, yeah. And have you found that when you've niched down your service offering as well in that you've actually probably gained more recognition as being the go-to person for branding and branding strategy rather than being the go-to mm-hmm. person for maybe a couple of different things? Yeah, because it was diluted. That's right. Yeah, diluted. Yeah. Whereas now it's pretty focused and like it is really hard to decide that. And even though I was really strong in my purpose and values and when I took on social media management clients, they were a particular type of client so that they had to align my purpose and values and they were willing to um, really step into their purpose and values as well, which actually makes you really have to be quite vulnerable with your brand because you're talking about you know, what you truly believe in, what the impact it is you want to make, um, what sort of difference in the world you want to make. So it really kind of makes your social media not very fluffy and you're talking about some 
you know, some really chunky topics, which I really, really like talking about and liked creating content for. But in saying that, you know, I just just going with really what you love this year, stepping into just solely brand strategy and not diluting it with um, social media management content creation has just meant I'm more fulfilled as well. Mm-hmm. I'm working with the people that I really want to work with this year in a way that I really want to work. Yeah, and I think what you were saying about those, you know, those really chunky kind of sometimes difficult posts on we're using social media as the platform to execute maybe those posts or your blog or your website. I think before I started working with you, I kind of didn't know what message or what value I had to give on a social media level. And so I've actually found that I've stepped into that a lot more and I'm enjoying it so much rather than dreading that aspect and not because I thought I don't want to just be posting you know, random quotes that don't mean anything to me or things that don't align with my brand just so I can get likes and followers. Like I, I actually want to create like engagement and community and all those great things about social media, but I just didn't know how to do that, which is, I think I've gained so much clarity on that since working with you. Yeah, yeah. I think when you step into that purpose and values part of your brand and you start creating messaging around it, things like social media or blogs or PR, any sort of communication platform become more than just people reading it and liking it it becomes about the impact that you're creating by putting that piece of content out there and you know if that can make an impact in the same way that you want to with your purpose and that's pretty powerful and it gives you that extra push that extra fulfillment that extra drive in your business yeah it's funny I was talking with someone in the brand plan the other day about what we felt like you know, is everyone a purpose-driven business or are there people that are driven by other things as well? And is it possible for other people to become, like can everyone become a purpose-driven business? And it was a really interesting discussion because I don't know. Like I feel like some people are still really driven by that sort of popularity, vanity factor of needing more likes, more reach, and so they're creating content that is the impact they're wanting to make. That's their end game. And, you know, you can build a business on that. You can absolutely build a business on popularity. It works. But, you know, like then if a purpose-driven person was going to do that, that probably wouldn't sit very well. Like that wouldn't sit very well with me to have that as my main driver. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe popularity is a driver for some. And then I suppose there's money is a driver for some as well. And then there's purpose. And I think like when you look at content and you look at the brands that potentially have those different drivers, they're such different brands. Like I can really see a massive difference in the way that these brands present and communicate themselves. So it was, it was a really interesting conversation. Can you explain what you mean by a purpose-driven brand? Like what does that actually mean? Yeah, so when we look at your purpose, we're really looking at what really drives you so for example like my purpose in a roundabout sort of way is to genuinely support women in business to you know make an impact in their desired area so it's really it has nothing to do with brand strategy brand strategy is my vehicle to drive my purpose so by me working with you know women to do that I'm fulfilling my purpose through brand strategy I'm helping them create a brand strategy build that confidence build that clarity for them to be able to make an impact in the area that they want to make so that's fulfilling my purpose so a purpose is just really what drives you it's a combination of you know what you love what you do what you're good at and what your strengths are And it's a combination of all of those things. And I think, 
like some people might be listening to this thinking, well, am I purpose-driven? Like am I a purpose-driven person? And I think the only way that I can describe knowing if you're driven by purpose or not is that maybe you're running a business and there always seems to be something like not quite right or a little bit lacking or you feel like you're more than what you do. Like you want to do more, you want to deliver more, you want to feel like you want to make an impact somewhere. There's always something niggling at you going, I'm more than this, I'm more than what I actually do. And you realise that maybe what you actually do is a vehicle for something greater. And can that purpose be, does it have to be external to the person you're impacting at the client level or the customer level? Or can it be more of an internal based one that you want to create a business that allows you to have a family and like, could it be that level of purpose or does it have to be more about the end purpose that you're making to someone else's life? Look, it can be individual, but like if somebody came to me and said, my purpose is to run a business around my family, I wouldn't call that a purpose. Mm. Like that's, like I want to do that as well. That's something I want to do, but it's not my purpose. That's not really what drives me in my business so I would probably if somebody came to me and said I'm purpose-driven my purpose is to run a business around my family I would probably dig a little bit deeper and we would find something that perhaps is more external is the difference and the impact that they want to make it's very individual everyone's purpose is completely individual but I suppose if you're using something to really drive you to keep you going it's got to be about impact at some point and Mm. I mean, people talk about their why as being why they got into business and, you'll, you know, you'll hear people like, you know, that are in my, the same position as me. Uh, the reason why I started my business is because I had kids and I didn't want to go back to corporate life. So I started my own business so I could work around my family. And I think, you know, that's not really why. Like I started my business to do that, but really why I do what I do is because I want to help women find their voice and amplify it and make an impact in their chosen area and I want women to be more confident and clear in what they do and be able to speak about what they do and um, I want women to earn money the same way that men do and like all of these things that's really why I do what I do it's Mm. not because I had kids and didn't want to go back into corporate that's how I got here it's not why I do what I do yeah and I love the fact that you talk about that you definitely have a unique approach to branding, which you you say from the outset, like this approach is, is different than maybe other brand strategists or other brand facilitators. And you talk a lot about why you're not ideal customer focused or your ideal customer avatar. That's not what you focus on. And I think that's become maybe the, the common way that marketers or branding strategists use to define who you're trying to target with your business. But can you go into a bit about your approach to that? Yeah, so it is common to, you know, when I first started my business, I would go into Facebook groups and people would post up, what do you think of this logo? You know, can you give me your advice on this logo? Do you like A, do you like B? And there would always be comments in there going, who's your ideal customer? You know, if you don't know your ideal customer, you'll never be able to choose a logo, you'll never be able to choose a business name, blah, 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 like as if the ideal customer was, you know, what you had to grow everything off. And I just thought... No, (laughs) let's start with us, with ourselves. We're running this business. We want to be fulfilled. And I say that a lot. I say no a lot. (laughs) I love that you're just like in those Facebook groups like, no, no. No, 
No, that doesn't quite sit well with me. So I think when we start with ourselves, we start to look at who we are, what we do, how we do it and why we do it. And we start to develop this idea of purpose and then we look at our values and that really works together. And then we realise actually this is where I start my business from and if I can develop messages around this and my vision and my mission, I can develop messages around this, I become clear and confident in putting those messages out, then I'll actually attract the right people. So one of the first things I got you guys to watch in the brand plan was Simon Siddick's Golden Circle video, which is a really well-known video. And in one part of it, he says something along the lines of, you know, we want to do business with people who believe what we believe. And I think that attracting people who believe what we believe by standing really strong in our purpose and our values and putting our messages out there and building our business from that standpoint, then we're always attracting the right clients as opposed to creating this avatar of people who we think will want to work with us, who we think need our thing, who we think earn enough money, who we think have the are in the right socioeconomic status, live in the same area, you know, all of those things that you look at when you create an avatar, who we imagine that person to be, and then we're forever chasing that person. Like it's exhausting. Think about your ideal client when you're creating this, when you're creating your services, when you're creating content, when you're talking on video, talk to your ideal client. And it's like, have we ever met this person? Are we just constantly trying to strive and chase and run down this person when we could actually just get to know ourselves really well and come from our purpose and our values and talk really easily and confidently about it and have the right people come to us? It just seems so much more relaxing. And also having that marketing background, I know that by the time they come to you and do Google ads, Facebook ads, there is absolutely scope to, you know, pull out more of a client avatar and you have to look at socioeconomic status and all of those sorts of things because they're, that's what you're going to be targeting, right? You can target groups like that when you come into advertising. But at a brand strategy point of view, I don't think we need to base our brands on an avatar. One person, yeah. I like that approach in that there will be aspects of your business that you do need to have an idea of who your audience is that you're talking to or who your main person is that you want to attract with this piece of content or something like that. But at a whole strategy, it does make sense to not base that on this one illustrious or this, you know, it's like a mirage. You don't actually know who that person is necessarily. And I do like that approach. But I just had a thought that when you were talking about that, that when you say, you know, step into who you really are and express that through your brand, does that apply to both service-based businesses and Ecom because I know we have a couple of ecom people in our brand plan at the moment, and they were maybe like, do people really need to see who I am in this business? Do you have any ideas on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I find that the ecom businesses, well, because when they're purpose driven, it's more than just their products and selling their products and marketing their products. And when you are purpose-driven, it becomes about why you're doing that. So Meg from Meg Watson Jewelry is a really beautiful example of this. So she's actually about creating really quality pieces of jewelry that are so unique, that tell a story, that make you feel something, that last a lifetime. So she actually has really strong messages around slow fashion, purposeful buying, you know, standing strong in your uniqueness, not worrying about trends and fashion jewelry and 
things like that and investing in a piece that you can wear forever that represents you, that tells a story about you. So when we really dug deep into her purpose and values and created a brand around that, that's what her messaging is about and that's what she really stands for. So that really helps attract the people who value the work that she does. It takes it away from just jewellery and price and having to market that and yeah. like an investment piece of jewellery and connecting to it and then people who are buying it are genuinely loving it. It makes them feel great to have a story about it. Yeah, I think you you get to compete on something else rather than price when you have a fully-fledged brand that you stand behind because you know what your true points of difference are. And I think you're more confident when people do try and, you know, haggle you or they they challenge your pricing or they challenge certain aspects of your business. You can always come back to that foundation you've built with, well, these this is my purpose, these are my values, and this is what I do, why I do what I do. But what if like me, you're worried that when you do start to step into that really purpose-led business, what if people don't like it? Like what if people don't like who you're presenting, who your authentic self is? Because that could be quite challenging or confronting for people to be so vulnerable like that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the main reasons why people don't really do it (laughs) is that it's scary and that there is a fear around you know, putting your true self out there. There's, you know, particularly with social media in business being as huge as it is and being really the main way that many of us are communicating our brands through social media and through our website perhaps is that it's kind of easy to hide behind that highlight reel and perhaps create a brand personality rather than a really authentic brand. And, look, when you do build a purpose and values-driven brand, you are creating a genuinely authentic brand because it's coming from you. There's no hiding with a brand like this. And you know that through doing a brand strategy with me, every step of the way we're integrity checking everything. (laughs) Like we're always talking about, you know, our supporting behaviours and how we're really going to support this message through our brand so that everything we say and do can be brought back to our purpose and values and it's, you know, it's really tight with its integrity. But it is scary. There is aspects of times throughout doing the program where you have to be really vulnerable and there are certainly going to be times when people don't like you and people don't agree with what you do or agree with your stance. But like we were talking before about niching, this is like the ultimate way of niching and saying, here I am. If you don't like the way I am, if you don't like my methods, if you don't like my purpose, find someone who you do like. (laughs) (laughs) and you know and the people that do like and respect and uh, want to work with you will be there to support you and you know you're always going to ruffle feathers you're not here to please everyone creating a purpose-led brand is sort of the ultimate niching experience finding your niche finding your true community it becomes really fulfilling it's quite overwhelming actually and it's I suppose it's that same fear around putting yourself out there being really vulnerable and then niching and turning too many people off but actually we know that there's power in that Mm. in attracting people that really 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 value what we do yeah and before we talk about what you are doing with the brand plan I really want to just touch on you have really strong opinions on women's worth and working for free and we you talk about that a lot and I'm so interested to for you to share that that point of view that you have in regards to, you know, you give a couple of good examples about, you know, going to events and that sort of stuff. If you can talk a bit about that. Yeah. So 
this is just a realisation that I've had over years of working in business and seeing that the status quo, like the trend for women in business is to kind of offer themselves for free as a way to attract people and then sell to them. And it just never sat right with me. Like you would attend events and don't get me wrong, like I did this at the start as well because this is the way you think we have to run our business because there's no option. This is what you do. You speak at events for free for exposure. You give your products or a voucher away in goodie bags at events because you want exposure. You run free webinars. You provide free downloads all the time. You, you know, you provide free, free, free for all this exposure so that you get people like seeing you and finding you and wanting to work with you. But, you know, over time I just kind of, it never sat right with me and I kind of, you know, I did the freebie, got lots of sign-ups, but they just, they weren't the right people. They never really wanted to work with me. The people that did contact me from that didn't quite sit right. So I would do some work for free and then I'd end up feeling a bit yucky about it or I'd feel a bit resentful about it because it actually wouldn't come to fruition. And I realised, well, maybe I'm just attracting people who want free stuff and not really the people who value me. And maybe that's because I'm only putting all my energy into free stuff, not putting my energy into showing my value and my worth and working on that. And so I sort of started thinking about this idea, well, like genuinely supporting women has to be more than asking them to come and talk at your event for free or asking them for their products for free to add to your goodie bags or, you know, constantly asking women to give you their time for free. How about we all just start knowing our worth and charging it? <laughs> like, wouldn't that be simple? And then I thought, well, <laughs> that's what men do, right? Why, why, are we, why are we doing this? And then it comes, I realised it actually came down to the fact that women find it very difficult to know their worth and to charge their worth. And that there's more there that we need to work on. So this is a huge part of why I run my brand strategies like this because it is part of the process is learning to uh, know your worth and trust that and charge for it, you know. And I just think that there are, you know, I've got some stories where it's just really clear that there are lots of businesses that profit here off the free work of women. Mm. Events are a major example. There was the first time it really hit home that, oh, my gosh, this is something that happens all the time, was a Facebook group. It was a women's networking group. And this often is the case, right? The women's networking groups, we're here to support women. We're building a community to help you build your business. But then they're running events where they're getting women to come and talk for an hour or more about their expertise, give people value in the room but they're not paying them for speaking. They're also asking their members who pay them to be members to provide their products or vouchers for the services for free in their goodie bags. So it's often around this. And I saw a post in a Facebook group. It was um, a women's networking group asked for a photographer to photograph all of their events for the year. That was an event a month plus a large Christmas event. So that was 13 events. So a photographer to photograph all of their events so that they could use those photos to market their networking group so that they could then get more members. And they were going to be paid the annual membership, which I think was around $400. And lucky them, they got to attend the events, of course, because that's when they get a photograph and actually work at the event without attending the event. But that's what they were getting for it. There was no payment. There was no budget for payment is what they said. And I remember seeing that Facebook group 
and thinking, like, that's a lot of work for a photographer to do for free. They were going to offer them exposure by saying, hey, this is our photographer. You know, if you too want to photography. Photos, <laughs> yeah, maybe you could use this person and you could pay for them. I mean, we would use them for free, but, you know, we're telling you about them so you can pay for them. And I was just like, oh, this feels so yucky. Like why don't you just add $10 a month or $10 a year for all of your members onto the membership price and actually pay this photographer to do their work because isn't that genuinely supporting them rather than saying, I don't want to pay you but I'll tell people about you and maybe they will book you. Mm. How about you just know your worth up your prices a little bit so that you're earning a bit more money and you can actually pay people to do the work that they do, to pay them for their expertise. You know, it's just essentially they are using the free labour of this photographer to create marketing collateral for them to market their business for them to earn more money. Mm. And then you like to flip that on the head and say, well, you know, in that situation the good tool that you have is saying, you know, if they said, we want you to hold 13 events for free. We're not going to pay you, but you'll get a really good name as being a great event holder. Yeah. You know, Come on to my event. I'm not going to pay you, but I'm going to tell the people at the event that you also run events and maybe if they too want to run events, maybe they will use you too. Mm. Or just say, come and run my event. I love what you do. I love what you stand for. I'm going to pay your worth. Come and run my event. Like doesn't that just feel better? Like you're, you're genuinely supporting a woman in business then when you are seeing her work and paying her her work. But then through kind of talking with lots of women about this and working with women around their worth, I realised that take events, for example, you run an event, you feel like you have to have goodie bags, you feel like you have to have all these good speakers you feel like you have to have all these add-ons, which, of course, you can't pay for because you don't value yourself enough to charge what the event is actually worth so that you can then pay all of these people. And you feel like, well, we need a goodie bag because everyone has goodie bags at events and if I run an event without a goodie bag, then no one will want to come to my event. So really it's about stepping back into yourself, knowing what you're trying to create, the impact you're trying to have, your purpose and values. When you really own that, then you can own your services, you can own your event. You don't need top-ups like goodie bags and other freebies to run an amazing event. You just yeah. create an amazing event and people believe what you believe because you've done that purpose and values-led marketing. They're there for you, they respect you, they're there for you and your event. You can charge your worth, you can pay your speakers. And you even go as far to say that you won't speak at events if other speakers aren't being paid. No. No. So if I'm asked to speak an event, you know, I say this is my fee to speak, more often than not now I get people that are like, yes, I understand that because they know my stance on it. But at the beginning it was like, oh, I don't have a budget for it. I'll also ensure that everyone else is being paid for as well and I won't speak at events. I won't even attend events if there's free goodie bags. So if there's an event I want to attend, I'll contact them and say, are you paying your speakers is there goodie bags? Are people actually being paid to fulfil these goodie bags? And there's, it's not like people are like, oh, that's just the events industry, you know, there's always goodie bags, this is what people do. But whereas I've worked with people to help them run events where women are genuinely supported, where the speakers have been paid, 
the event organiser has earned money and we didn't have goodie bags but we had a door prize. So one item that you buy, you actually pay the person for and then you raffle it off as a door prize. So you can bring in these add-ons but you just have to build them into your event plan so mm. that's profitable for everyone involved and everyone is genuinely supported. So I just really, my whole stance on it is that there's another way. You don't have to do anything for free. You can actually know yourself, build your brand, get really clear and confident in what you do and attract the people that want to pay from the start that aren't there to suck you dry with freebies. They're there to value what you do right from the beginning. So can you tell, because we've spoken, I've been so appreciative of your time. Can you tell people about your brand plan that you have? Because like I said, I've been part of it for, we're wrapping up now, which is such a shame. I know, I know. What is the brand plan and what can people learn out of working with you in this program? Yeah. So look, it was born out of isolation last time and I sat down and I thought, even though life kind of felt like it had slowed down because we're locked in our homes we felt like we were juggling more than ever. You know, it's home learning. It's having the whole family at home. You know, partners now working from home. The house is full. We were juggling a lot. And it just felt like I should take my brand strategies and really slow them down too and really pull them out. And so it's a brand strategy conducted over 15 weeks. We meet for one hour a week on Zoom and We talk about separate topics every single week. There's a Facebook group and you submit homework tasks, which I provide individual feedback on every Mm, single week. Which is so helpful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed doing that because I actually really love working one-on-one, but it allowed me to present the content to a group, but then also work with people one-on-one throughout the 15 weeks as well. And What really happened with this was that we created brand strategies, yes, and we really worked on your brand, but we also created a really beautiful community as well, which was supportive at this time when we really, really needed it. So we've all kind of supported each other through lockdown and everything that's happened over the last 15 weeks. And it just so happens that I'm now releasing the second round as we're in lockdown 2.0. And so I'm hopeful that it will create that community and supportive space again. And it's a beautiful space to, you know, feel like you're part of something and feel really welcome and supported in a group to then be able to do the vulnerable work of creating a purpose and values-driven brand as well. Yeah, and it's been so fantastic because I think that when I first signed up to the program, I was like, I need a brand. (laughs) You know, I need to develop a brand because I got started on my business, you know, as you always fly by the seat of your pants. You're not really taking that time to consolidate and to focus on the intangible aspects of like branding and that sort of stuff. So it was so helpful for me. And it's just been like, like you said, the community aspect of it is fantastic. So when, if people do want to join, when are they able to join? Right now and registrations close next Wednesday. I will kind of be midnight-ish. Whenever I go to bed, I will turn the registrations off next Wednesday. So that's the 29th mm-hmm. of July. And then the first week of the program kicks off on Friday, the 31st of July. I've tried to make it really flexible for people who are working at home. So the sessions always run over lunchtime at 12 midday. Hopefully then if you've got partners at home, they can watch kids. Kids are always welcome on the calls though as well. And there's recordings too. So if you can't make it on the day, you can go back 
and watch the recordings and you've got the Facebook group and you've got the homework and the one-on-one feedback to really feel like you can catch up. So I've tried to make it as flexible and welcoming as possible for this particular time. And like I said earlier, I found that this I think is like the way that I now just want to deliver brand strategies. in this sort of long, slow, community-driven, really supportive way for people because I've just seen each and every one of you flourish throughout the 15 weeks. And, yeah, it's been pretty magical to watch and even be part of from my point of view as well. And it's interesting because you were actually quite reluctant to move to online, facilitating brand strategy online. Why was that? Because, look, I would run in-person workshops and the community that we kind of built around the table I loved, like I loved the brainstorming, I loved the sharing, I loved the vulnerability that people had, you know, it was just became a special place around my little studio table and I said to myself I was not prepared to go online just for the sake of going online, like I didn't want it to ever become just something that I put out there. I'm not in this business to just put stuff out there. I actually want to make a difference in people's businesses in their brands in their lives so I wasn't willing to create something just for online I wanted to create that little community that I made around my workshop table and I wanted to pop that table (laughs) online and I wasn't prepared to do it until I could make sure that I could create that and I could kind of hold that space for people and it would be a genuinely supportive community and you know when isolation hit I ran a few one-day workshops online and they went quite well, but there was still like, mm, it's not really that table, you know, it's not really that feeling that I got. And my one-on-one sessions worked well, quite well online, but one-on-one there wasn't, there wasn't that community aspect. So I thought, I think I really need to stretch it out to build the trust and to build the relationships. And that will then emulate that kind of in-person community and bring it online. And it's worked. Yeah, it has. <laughs> I tried it and it's worked. So I'm really happy that I kind of held off and really thought about it, like the purpose that I wanted to create. A huge part of it was that community. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you let people know where they can connect with you online if they want to get in touch? Yes. Instagram, I'm mainly there. Facebook, (laughs) really lazy. (laughs) Yeah, that's like me too. I'm like, Instagram is the place. (laughs) Um, so speak out studio on both of those platforms and then my website is just www.speakoutstudio.com.au and i'll include all those in the show notes and thank you so much for joining me today thank you so much for having me love chatting with you katie thank you so i hope you enjoyed that chat as much as i loved having that chat and like i said in the intro if you are keen on joining serena's next round of the brand plan it does close in a couple of days by the time when this episode goes live so follow her at speak out studio and slide into her dms let her know that you love this episode she's fantastic and she is such a supporter of women in business it really radiates through all areas of her business and i am so glad that i joined her brand plan it's given me a whole new community of like-minded business owners that i have navigated this whole pandemic situation with which has been really invaluable So thank you for listening. You can catch me at katiegriffin underscore on Instagram. Or you can visit my website, which is sundaydigital.com.au. Slide into my DMs, leave a rating, leave a review, do all the things, and I will see you on the next episode.